This is a podcast about failure. With me, Lola Berry, author, nutritionist, and yoga teacher. Join me as we get to know these guests and learn about how their failures have ultimately shaped their dreams. Welcome to Fearlessly Failing with Lola Berry. G'day, it's Lols here. This next guest is Sarah Diorio, the creator of Organica Hair. Not just a hair salon, it is a philosophy and a way of life and it's all about avoiding nasty chemicals. So Sarah shares how she was living this really healthy life, healthy food, exercise, looking after herself, then rocking into a hair salon and being around all these toxic chemicals. And she was like, this isn't right. She literally threw the towel in, had five grand in her bank, took out a lease and set up the first organic art salon. So this girl's all about chasing dreams. She talks about getting over people that are copycats and managing her own self-critical nature. So I hope you enjoy this wonderful story of an entrepreneur that's just chased her own dream. Enjoy, Sarah. All right. So first of all, I'm going to jump straight into it. So Sarah is the creator, owner, director of... Organica hair. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you should probably introduce what Organica hair is more than me. I know that I go there every week, <laughs> so I love it, and I'm a huge fan of like low toxin living. Yeah. So, in a nutshell, what is Organica hair? Well, in a nutshell, it is. It's low toxic. It's more of a lifestyle type of hair salon. So we embody absolutely everything. So the whole experience from the minute you walk in is about low toxic, organic, and being sustainable. You can feel that. Without compromise. Yeah, but you can feel that. Like you walk in, you have an organic tea, you have a healthy little treaty, you know, but there's a lot of, I always notice this in both Elwood and Carlton. So there's two salons, people listening. And I've I've read a bit about you and it started with like three staff. Now you've got over 20, is that right? that's correct. started with me and Lisa and my sister was our apprentice. Really? Yeah, in the beginning. She's not a hairdresser, but she started helping us out. Oh, I love that. Yeah. But what I love just back onto that like low-tox kind of living is you walk in and there's a lot of plants. Mm Mm-hmm. And in your beautiful space that we are now in your home, there's like you can feel there's a lot of natural light, a lot of plants, and it feels very energetically quite healing. Yeah. Like almost both organic is to me feel like a sanctuary. Yeah. And on the surf, and you're a Virgo like mm-hmm. me, and we were madly texting each other yesterday. <laughs> it's like, I need to know everything I can about you. Uh, and I think we are perfectionists. And we're almost like I see Virgos as like the duck on the surface. It looks really calm and but it's like your feet are chaotic inside. Underneath. Yep. And so I guess I want to unpack how Organica came about mm-hmm. because on the outside it looks like this beautiful healing space, like an almost an urban retreat. Thank you. <laughs> and and it feels like that. You feel nourished every time you go in there and it becomes like I know that I have personal kind of like different relationships with different people at each salon. It's very beautiful and healing, but I imagine it's taken a shitload of work to get to that level. Yes, it has. It's taken a long time. Yeah. Was it, was it anything? Okay, so let's go back to the start. So the start was 
So here we go. This is what I've researched you. You were 12 years old when you became a salon assistant. Yeah, that's correct. At 14 you started your apprenticeship. So is that you dropped out of school at that stage? Dropped out of school. I don't have a year nine pass and I left halfway through year nine I started my apprenticeship. Did you, were you scared then or were you like? No, I hated school. School was not for me at all. Um, I went to the Bronx, like one of the worst high schools and it just, I just couldn't do it. Really? Yeah. So when you were like, no, I'm out of school, I'm going into my apprenticeship, Mm -hmm. were you like, yes, this is my home, this is what I'm meant to be doing? Yeah, pretty much, definitely. So how do you go from, okay, obviously like going up in the ranks and then, I'm guessing you're working, you're doing your apprenticeship, you're doing your hours, you're doing your time before you're slowly going up mm-hmm. and up in the ranks. How I imagine there's this, there's got to be some kind of leap that where you go from that to fast forward 10 years ago, your first ever salon. Were you working at different salons in that time? Were you? No, what, I'm a very loyal character. Virgo. <laughs> friends, family, you name it. And it was my first and only job. Really? So it was a really hard decision to leave, but I grew as much as I could. I was there for 12 years. <gasps> I gave them my all. Um, and I navigated so many different changes from being so young and sort of basically nearly being qualified within my first year because I was like, I'm doing this. Go get her. And I just pushed myself forward. So Back then, many years ago, the hair industry was very toxic. It was like very hierarchy. You wouldn't talk to a senior unless you were asked. You couldn't start the cleaning until the last client had left. So this is 25 years back. So it was intense, but I was just very passionate and I loved clients and I loved my favourite spot was at the basin with that connection with my hands on their scalp and really connecting. So I think... That is when my passion really came from creating a space of healing and giving my all and the magic that you exchange between clients and that's where my passion has always been. So healing, Healing, really? Pretty much. Because I've always found like you build this bond with your hairdresser, it's almost like you're going to a therapist. I'm sure you've heard that before. Definitely. It totally is. But even sometimes when I'm getting a blow wave and you come in and you and I end up chatting about our favourite sneakers, golden gooses. Definitely. But you have this kind of like camaraderie and straight away like it feels very safe. So I can understand that that was your favourite kind of element. And you can see that that is now looking forward in the future, like where you are now, how that's played an impact. So how did that go when you made that decision to go, okay, I've been here 12 years, I love these guys, but I've got to take a risk on myself. I've got to give it a try. I think it was more a self journey for myself. So I don't know, we might go into a bit deeper later, but I learned from a young age how people can be and sort of being true to yourself and being true to your full purpose, who Sarah is internally, not Mm. what everyone thinks or that. Um, so for me, I grew up on an organic farm. Yes. So my worth ethic came from working really hard because we grew up, you know, pretty much in poverty. We didn't have much mm-hmm. um, growing up. And so Your I parents would, from here because you're Italian, aren't you? Italian, both born in Italian. My mum migrated when she was five, but my dad migrated when he was 22. Wow. Um, couldn't speak a word of English. Back then, um, he would speak to the girls in English to better his English. Um, so we would only be allowed to speak English at home. Can you speak? You speak Italian now. Oh no, I'm terrible. I regret. I wish my dad was forceful oh. um, and really made. I can understand it, but to translate back, I'm like, because ah! when I look at your Insta, I'm like, oh my goodness, because you go back to Italy yeah. a fair bit. It's obviously like your heart's so happy Definitely. there. Definitely, it's where I resonate. 
Where are your parents from? Calabria, so the south. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, so nice. I know all this because my boyfriend's Italian, so he'll every time I see you, he's like he'll ask questions, and <laughs> it's like this unseen, like I don't know, it's this respect thing yeah. that, like. Aussie, kind of, there's a lot of things in Aussie culture that we're missing and I think the Italian culture is so beautiful at celebrating family yeah, and respect and, like you said, growing up on an organic farm, yeah. like that sustainable style of living yeah. from such a young age, was, it seems like it was ingrained it in was you. It was so ingrained. So before and after school, I would have to get up, pack, pick, you name it, do a school day, come home, homework and then back in the shed. Really? So we would be packing so dad would take it to the market in the morning what would you grow so we grew oh my god chestnuts carrots mm. strawberries we had chestnuts whole, is a very italian yeah, thing very italian <laughs> chestnuts came last i think carrots came first and the strawberries and then um the chestnuts and my dad worked two jobs he was a bricklayer and a full-time farmer so you um, learn work ethic pretty definitely yeah. and to be resistant yeah really do you think growing up in that like lower socioeconomic kind of status, mm-hmm. like farm, yeah. off the land, yeah. gave you a drive to go, well, I want to be definitely. successful in my field. Definitely. And I always, now as I'm older, I definitely look back and, you know, some of the fights you would have with your parents and all of that, I'm like, okay, you know, I get it. I get certain things and I'm thankful for so much because, yes, it was a hard upbringing, like compared to my husband, him mm. and I complete chalk and cheese, like childhood, but... I wouldn't swap it. It's what taught me so much. Childhood like. Oh, you know, yeah, sort of stock standard. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Aussie. private school yeah, boy. Yeah. No, he's Italian. Yeah. Private school boy, educated, yeah. university, you know, ticked yeah. all the boxes, a very good <laughs> Italian boy, where I'm like colourful outside of every single box, would never conform to anything if it didn't feel right for me. And I think that's where hairdressing played a really big part where I was always working with toxins and my dad would always be like, it's going to kill you, it's going to kill you, it's terrible, it's toxic. And the one story I actually always tell everyone and so many clients when they said, what was that penny moment when you really wanted to be an organic or toxic-free salon? And I said, back in the day, I was an apprentice and you would earn $85 a week for 45-hour working week. And Kerastase is like the preem. It's like yeah. the luxury band of hair care. Took me weeks to save up for the big liters yeah. of shampoo. I remember my dad um, came in from the farm. He had grease everywhere. Went and had a shower. Came into the kitchen, got the bin, got my Kerastase. Is like this is going in the bin. The poison that you are seeping into your system is not okay. I'm not having it in the house. He goes, did you see the grease on my hands? And I'm like, yeah. He goes, my arms were black. He goes, that got it off in two seconds. He goes, so if that got grease off, imagine what it's doing to your skin. Oh, what a legend (laughs) of a dad. Yeah, so that is sort of when I started to trigger, okay, I live one-way lifestyle. Yeah. And my work is something completely different. And I've always battled health issues. I've got like autoimmune and I would always wonder, why do my eyes water? Why are my co- clients coughing? Why am I coughing? Why yeah. are clients getting irritated? Yeah. This is not normal. And then I started my own journey of researching and that's when I realised, oh, my God, I had no idea how yeah. poorly educated. It saddens me how bad hairdressers are not educated in the toxins, what we're mixing up, the chemicals, why people are getting reactions, the hands, the dermatitis, mm. like it's full on. 
So, yeah. And also, like, for even for me as a consumer, I'm blonde. Mm-hmm. So I've always associated blonde with going and getting, like, as many chemicals. Like, I've had toners on before where I can feel it burn, literally burning yeah. my scalp. And, and the eyes normal. watering that you normal. were talking about. I remember one day I walked out of a salon. I was living in Sydney and I had welts on my head that night. So obviously, like, something had been left yeah. on too long and I was like, holy. But I feel like... Apart from you, like, shining a light onto this and creating a voice for toxic-free and yeah. low chemical, I, I, I still feel like it is pretty new. Like, Yeah, it's pretty new. There's a, there's a lot of people that are coming on because it's fashionable, yes, it's trendy now. Yes, yes, Um, But it is. It's still fairly new or a lot of people are resistant to it yeah. because they're like, well, can I get the results and stuff like that. And that's where I never wanted to compromise because I'm passionate about hair and colouring and my thing was clients want to feel beautiful. They want to feel their hair feeling amazing. And there are some products that don't give that luxurious feel. So it took me a long time to find the right products and Mm. I'm constantly researching Mm. that give the consumer that feeling. Do you know what I love about your website as well? You have the list of the kind of the baddies and you explain yeah. what they're – you probably wrote your website ages ago oh, and here's yeah. me going – 12 years ago. Now you got to test me. <laughs> but, yeah, but things like ammonia, yeah. sodium lauryl sulfate, yeah. these are ingredients that, you know, parabens, these are things that we find if you just buy what you would call like the almost the Rolls Royce yeah. of hair care. These guys are still in that stuff and we're talking ingredients and – please correct me if I'm wrong, that are highly, like, carcinogenic, which means cancer-causing. Like, it's scary to think that we're putting them on our scalp. Definitely. And I always give this example as well. Um, For instance, when you're pregnant, you know, or if you're sick or you're battling some type of disease, the doctors will always say, avoid doing certain things. Mm -hmm. And hair is one of them. Colouring is one Mm. of them because it's the unknown and they do know it penetrates. And if someone's saying avoid it, there's a reason why they're saying it. It's entering your bloodstream. So you're going to get a build-up over time. You know, this is probably a very controversial thing to say, but it's true. Yeah, no, 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 bring it. I love controversial yeah, stuff. So. <laughs> it gets me into trouble. Uh, one thing I want to, and I do want to dive into you as a yeah. as a person, because I am like such an organic a fan. Um, I just want to share an experience. If people are not from Melbourne and listening to this, if you come to Melbourne, I am obsessed with the crystal comb oh, yeah, ritual. It's, it's pretty incredible. So just quickly, like this is incorporating. So we've just talked about like health basically and wellness but now you're taking it to a new level where we're talking more like energetic healing definitely i don't know anybody else that does this no it's probably we're probably the first salons in australia i would imagine that are doing it It took me a long time to find the crystal combs i always wanted something to create that healing space because at the basin the only time a client will relax and you'll have the most crazy ass client might be walking in high crazy energy can't calm down but as soon as they get a head massage you see the shift Mm. is incredible so I'm like if there's a way we can bring that you know through even more for a client to even go even deeper and to experience a better healing why not and I've always been into crystals I love crystals there's quite a few around your house I um, see (laughs) 
So, yeah, so it's a beautiful journey that the client um, guides us through by where they're feeling. So I've experienced it quite a few times now. So for people listening, basically, I think there's five different crimes and you pick one potentially on feel or sometimes I look at them and I'm like, I want rose quartz today. And then that crystal has an energetic effect on you, like rose quartz works on the heart chakra and self-confidence and self-worth. And then there are matching like aromatherapy oil so you will smell with your eyes shut and you'll be like oh this one I and it's really fascinating because some you'll be like oh I don't need that near me today and there'll be others where you'll be really earthy and grounded you'll be like oh I really would like Mm -hmm. that and it's a really beautiful way to take healing to another level and yeah, you can just see how much people like, oh, and it looks so beautiful. It but is so beautiful. people are wondering what we're talking about with crystal cone. That's what we're talking about. So, one more thing on organica, and that is how do you go? Because I imagine what you're offering is so forefront and cutting edge and healing. And like you said, it's trendy mm-hmm. now where we're all Definitely. kind of like eco warriors, aren't That's we? Right. Uh, how do you go with copycats? Do you have copycats? Definitely. I've experienced it myself personally. And you know what? I've learned to be like, I take it as a compliment because a lot of people don't have the ability to create their own concepts and it's easy. And I always think if someone's copying you, you're doing something right. So answering that so (laughs) diplomatically, I've never done well with copycats. Well, I just think, well, thanks. Like you've got two ways. I always think you've got two ways of taking something. I can either get shitty and listen, I'm a human. Yeah, do have those emotions, especially to people that, you know, have been in your home and your space and my salons are my home. Um, So when you experience it internally um, and there's no truth to it, that is the disappointing thing because that's when you ask yourself, I thought I was a good human and it's really sad that you allow someone into your yeah. space for such a long time and then, you know, they do what they do without yeah. being honest about it. Yeah, totally. But then you just have to be like, well, you know what, I'm creating space, I'm giving them, you know, an opportunity and I take it as a compliment. Oh, Thank you're you. you're so good. <laughs> I'm like, I'll be, I'll call my boyfriend, I'm like, that fucking dingo I get so angry and I'm like oh and I think as well and I know you'll relate to this being a Virgo when you work quite hard on something and then it feels like the rug has kind of been pulled from underneath you and it happened recently to me a business thing happened and I was just like I took it so personally for about 24 hours and I'm a bit older now. I'm 34 so I didn't react yeah. the way I would have maybe I get a that. year I, ago. Yeah, I understand that. And I was like, I'm going to sleep on this. Like I'm just going to sleep on this feeling I'm having and I had drafted all these like emails and it was super reactive like what have I done wrong to warrant this yeah. behaviour because I knew I'd done nothing wrong. And then I was like, no, nah, this person must be pretty unhappy and they must – not value themselves to treat another human in that manner. Yeah. And I just kind of like let it go. And, I, and it was actually my business partner that I said, oh, this thing's happened. And he's like, Lola, he was like, fuck him. He was just like, let him go. Yeah. Just let it go onto the next, onto the next. Like, and it was a really like quite an empowering lesson. But usually I would get quite emotional, take it personally, even though yeah. it often isn't a personal oh, attack. Definitely. And I understand that. You do as a human and especially as a Virgo as well mm. and you're a loyal type of person, it's hard not to take it personally. But then you just, I've, I've personally learnt, especially over the last probably five years, you've just got to detach from it. Yeah. And someone's always going to fuck you over. Totally. Regardless, it doesn't matter. Like there's 
I love that you just said that because most people go like, why are you doing a podcast about failure? And I'm like, because the most people, well, the most, the people that succeed the most have probably failed the most. Oh, constantly. Failure is always, and if someone says they don't fail or this or that, that's just bullshit. Yeah, totally. Oh, I love that you just said that. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> Call out the BS. Um, I want to ask you quickly, and this is, and I didn't tell you I was going to ask this, so it might be, you might be like, oh, that's a weird one. But every time I'm in salon, I always look at the cut magazine. Yep. That is your own magazine, is yes, it not? Yes. How on earth do you, so you've got two kids. Yep. You run two salons. You've got over 20 staff. I've seen you do little weekend retreats for all your staff mm-hmm. as well. You're nonstop. Yeah. Uh, and you've also got a magazine. How on oh, earth yes. does this happen? Well, I'm probably due to do another one because it did. It does take a lot of time and I've had a really great team that helped and a really great girl, Chanel, who helped, was the back end of really creating it. Um, so without her, it probably wouldn't have ever come to tuition. Mm-hmm. But I just love it. It's so are they created like a few a year? Or? Yeah. So we've create, We've always created one a year. So this yeah. year I haven't actually had the chance to sort of do it. And yeah. everyone's asking, when's the next cut? And I'm like, I know, I've got I to get, get Chanel so back on my team. I Chanel, so if you're excited. listening, come back. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, please. Yeah. I, I sent it to my boyfriend. I was like, oh, my God, how do I get involved with this magazine? Yeah. I love it. It's really So if you good. need me, you just All right, call done. me. <laughs> I'm going to hold you to that. <laughs> I love it because it's very beautiful yeah. and you've had the incredible and that's another thing that I wanted to ask you about because we've you're kind of like poster girl is the incredible Ash Hart. Oh, she's I beautiful. love yeah. Ashley. She's got this embodiment of just like whimsical boho gypsy. Everything. And she's sunshine. Yeah. She's one of those sunshine girls Completely. that could just light up a room and she, to me, is the perfect fit for Organica. Oh, she is like the Organica girl, like what Organica embodies, what it is about. She is living, breathing, absolutely everything. Was she awesome to shoot with? Oh, incredible. Oh, like, just like a dream? Just a dream. Like you just, I can't fault her, you know. Oh, I love hearing good stories She is people. just one special human being. She really there is. you go, Ashie, you got a few fans. We love you. Love you. Okay, so now I want to get on to you. All right. We're talk- we've talked about you, but one of your babies. Mm-hmm. So there's a few other babies. I met Oscar when I came in. Yes. So Oscar is a Sam Samoyed. Samoyed, so a big, fluffy, white, gorgeous mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. I met Roman. Yes. So f- how old is Roman? Four. Wearing a very cool Jurassic Park top. So I quite like dinosaurs. <laughs> he loves it. Go look at his room. <laughs> Amazing. And then I met Cruz. Yes. 20 months? Yes. Oh, my goodness. You are... A superwoman. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Crazy. Yeah. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. Okay. So back to you, uh, like rewinding as a child. So we know high school dropout. I hope you don't mind me saying mm-hmm. that. I say it all the time. Didn't pass you nine. Age 14, started a hair apprentice. And these are notes that you sent me yesterday. And then you wrote, was raised a Jehovah's, Jehovah's Witness. Witness. Yes. How so? Take me so after after you sent this to me, I was like, I've got to be prepared. I watched a whole documentary. Oh my god, I love it! <laughs> Told you, Virgos, yeah. we're just so, so good. obsessive. We learning it. So, we raised like how did that raised, fit in? Yeah. So full, completely raised as Jehovah's Witness. Um, did everything that you do as a Jehovah's Witness. 
And Can you take us through some of those traits as just for a listener that might not know? So no Christmas, no birthdays, no celebrations, no An- swearing. Anti-blood transfusions. Anti-blood transfusions, yes. So it's better to die than get a blood transfusion. Yes, that's right. Um, and it's a very dedicated religion. So you're not baptised in it, you have to choose. So I think that's probably the one good thing that mm-hmm. you're not baptised regardless, like mm-hmm. because it's such a commitment mm-hmm. and it's such a dedication. It truly is. And do you have to do the time where you are kind of like, because that's the door. Yeah, door I did that. I is did that, that as years? a young girl. No, it's just a constant thing. Oh, they do it really? all the time. Yeah. <gasps> and are you, when you knock on a door, are you You're preaching? representing, yeah. Wow. And yeah. trying to get more people, people. to. Yeah. So at what age did you decide that wasn't for you? I think... I probably really started maybe around the 10, 12 mark between okay. those years sort of just that just doesn't feel right. And I've always been quite a spiritual sort of person mm. in the sense of really feeling my awareness, mm. surroundings, and if it doesn't feel right. And it was just I was pulling away from it, not to it, and I was just questioning it and I would see how people would react. So it's quite interesting and I think from a young age I really learnt the human character um, and how people can be really cruel or really kind and all of these type of things living in two different worlds, living in a world of being a Jehovah's Witness and then living in a world where people, and people still get that reaction of, mm. oh, my God, Jay Dub or this or that, yeah. knocker, and, you know, you get it. And I think growing up in it, I learnt a lot and it has definitely helped me be the person I am and my values and my morals. I've taken some great things Mm. from it, but it never sat well with me. It wasn't, I'm not someone that likes to be dictated on how to live my life. Mm. Doesn't mean I'm a bad person or anything like that. It just didn't sit right at all. So the resistance from your parents Mm. doing, being the naughty, being rebellious, doing everything that Mm. you shouldn't be doing and just honestly fighting a battle from the young age of my parents, society, holding that as a secret. I never wanted anyone to know I was raised mm. as a Jehovah's Witness. Really? Yeah. Just I was fear like, of judgment. Just fear of yeah. judgment because I witnessed it. I saw it with my mum's family, how family judged them because they're still practising Jehovah's Witnesses, how friends' family judge and are cruel. I'm like, but that's their choice. Yeah, totally. Like it's your choice to be Catholic, Muslim or yeah. whatever it is. I could never understand how people could be cruel for someone's choice. They're not doing anything bad to anyone. They're no. good people. Yeah. And that's where my battle of how the human race can be so cruel. So I mm. would hide it because I hated that reaction yeah. of the mean totally. judgment straight away. So when you, that 10 to 12, when you told your parents, hey, this is, this is not for me, yeah. what was their response? Well, what do you mean it's not for you? Of course it's for you. So, again, that's failure right then and there, like failing your parents. And I think when you came to me and you told me it's about failure, I had a really big think about it. I'm like, you know what? What my biggest failure was, I failed myself. I failed myself in being true to who I am and allowing everyone else to affect me than to stand up and be like, yeah, you know, I failed that young girl of letting her lose her voice. 
Does that make her sense? Yeah, definitely. But would you say that then standing up and going, actually, yeah. this doesn't feel right, you then found that yeah, young that's girl's right. voice. So when your parents are like, what do you mean? Like, you, you this is your religion. Yeah. How did you find your voice and how did you stand up? It took a long time, a lot of awful fights, a lot of mm. resistance, a lot of moving out of home, doing it all the, you know. Really? Yeah, rebellious How old when you moved out of home? Oh, I moved back and forth. I moved with my sister for a little bit, but I probably moved out around the age of 17. Pretty young. Eight, pretty young. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. So, okay, so when you – so I did also see in this documentary that if you then go, okay, well, this is no longer for me yeah. – you're literally treated like you do not exist yeah, anymore. Yeah, that's if you're baptised. Okay, so you weren't baptised. I wasn't baptised. Okay, um, okay. So there's a big difference where okay. if you've chosen to be baptised, then... That's a life commitment. It's a life commitment where that you're reprimanded, but I never wanted to be baptised. It just never sat with me that... Okay. Yeah. So eventually your parents were like, okay, we're not going to win this battle. Yeah, that's it. Did you get any resistance? My mum still tries sometimes. Really? <laughs> I'm like, mum, don't go there. Did you get any resistance with your, like, coming from an Italian family? And I, I've learned this as well with my boyfriend. There is a little bit of expectation yes. with finishing school. Definitely. You know, like. Well, I think with my parents, my dad being migrating and didn't really go to school, didn't have an educated and lived in real poverty. Yeah. Um. It was okay, but they did say if you want to leave school, you have to get the job interviews, you have to make the phone calls, we will take you. So back then you would have to, you know, get the paper. Yeah, yeah. The old hair or son of the age and look for the ad. I had to call, I had to make the appointments. It wasn't up to mum and dad. Like I had to do it all. And they said if you do it and you prove to us this is what you want, then... We support. That's pretty cool. That's pretty like supportive in a very empowering, yeah. although it might not feel like it at the time. Yeah. Uh, Manna, I just spoke, interviewed someone this morning and he's got three kids and they're all like around that. They're, well, the eldest is about 16 and he said, I don't believe in pulling rocks out of the way for my kids yeah. on their journey. That's he's like, right. And I was like, ah, oh, like I remember those rocks in my teen years mm. and thinking, why can't my parents just help me out here? <laughs> just another 50 bucks or whatever yeah. it is. And they're like, it's not going to happen, Lola. That's right. And I think... Yeah, your parents probably did a really good way, in a really smart way, they kept the rocks there for you so you learnt and became stronger. Definitely. Which I love. Okay, so that part of you you were able to let go, let go of without too, like it sounds like there was a bit of back and forth, but eventually you're allowed to like find your voice, stand on your own two feet. Now would you say your religion is more of a like spiritual? Definitely, and it always has been. Yeah, I think to me it's interesting how you said you don't respond to kind of like that that kind of like being told and controlled and all of that. Um, to me, spirituality should be freedom anyway. Exactly. So it feels like the opposite, right? That's right. And a lot of religions are obviously the opposite of freedom but interesting. Okay, so talk me through this autoimmune. I didn't know this about you. Yeah. So. So from a young age I've always battled being sick um and as I said I grew up quite holistic so I never really did modern medicine my mum always took me to naturopaths used to give me the beetroot juice and I used to throw it behind the trees (laughs) because like "Ah," straight out of the garden um so always lived very healthy and clean and understood the right things about the foods and nutrition and everything 
Um, and it wasn't until I got really sick um, and I worked crazy hours mm. and I ended up having a whole heap of tests and they found they had blood clots in my legs. Oh, so God. obviously that land you in hospital and stuff like that. I think it was like 19. Oh, wow. Not on the pill, didn't fly, yeah. so it was really odd to have all these mm-hmm. blood clots in my legs. And with the extensive testing and everything, that's when they found out I had lupus. So it's oh. autoimmune, where your body attacks itself, basically. Is that what Selena Gomez has? Sorry to say that. Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think Selena okay. Gomez does. I think. I could be wrong, though, but yeah. she's got an autoimmune. So when you just said, I hope you don't mind me asking this, when I came in, you were like, I've been sick. Is this what you're referring to? No, so I've had pneumonia. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, so would you say is that would you say that's more exhaustion caused and stress yeah, caused? Definitely. How long has it taken you to get over that? I'm not over it yet. And here she is doing the potty, <laughs> little legend. <laughs> it's probably in about three months. Yeah. Yeah. Far out. Yeah. So with back to autoimmune. Sorry to jump mm-hmm. around yeah. with sicknesses right now. <laughs> um, back to with autoimmune. So. From diagnosis to today, obviously yeah. living with an autoimmune condition, have you found that you've kind of found the magic cocktail of looking after yourself? Definitely, definitely. I'm not someone that likes to take medicines as a Band-Aid. Yeah. I'm sort of a strong-willed person, so mine sort of affects my joints and everything yes. like that. So I'm sort of a warrior in that sense and it's my downfall that I over-push myself. Um but like steroids and all that type mm. of medicine, it's not for me. I found an amazing homeopathic um, Samuel up in Mornington who has been my saving grace. Oh, like wow. I've seen so many naturopaths and everything, you name it. But he literally has got my lupus to a really good level. And I've lived with it for 25 years. So mm-hmm. I know my body. I know when it's creeping its ugly head. I yeah. know when I'm about to have a really bad fall. Mm-hmm. Um can you describe the symptoms of when it's bad? Exhaustion, joints, and I get really joint pain. Joint pain, like yep. you wouldn't believe. My knees swell, and it's just this weird feeling in your body. I can't explain mm. it. It's just this odd feeling, and it can start up in my back as well. Oh, so like an yeah. inflammation kind yeah, of feeling. Yeah, like you feel like there's something inside your body moving. Oh, wow. That's that's my personal experience. No, and you've described it very well. Anything that's autoimmune is literally the body's immune system yeah. attacking itself, thinking that it's a baddie. Mm-hmm. That's right. So it's a really tricky one. And and when you said autoimmune, I didn't think lupus. Yeah. I thought you might have said like, oh, sometimes my thyroid goes yeah. funny because that's really common in yeah. women and you're tiny. So I thought, <laughs> okay, maybe there's something with the thyroid. Yeah. But nothing like yeah. so fascinating. So when you feel those symptoms kind of raise their ugly head, so to speak, what what's your like boom? What do you do straight away? Go see Samuel. Yeah, <laughs> homeopath. My homeopath, yeah. yep. And the interesting thing about homeopathy is the theory is like cures like. Mm-hmm. So they will often give you, I mean, you, I'm sure you know how this yeah. works, but like they'll give you a little bit of something that actually would exacerbate what you're feeling if you had to have it in a big amount. That's they right. give you like a micro amount of it. It's very, yeah. very fascinating. It is, really is. And some people believe it, some people don't, but it works for me. Yeah, totally. And do you have, do you notice, when you let your lifestyle, because you're oh, obviously completely. very healthy. Completely. And I was going to say, like, food plays a big part with me. Like, if I allow a lot of sugar to come in, mm. 
that works so much against me. And I've been doing it for years, probably for about good maybe seven, six years Mm. of really understanding food, the sugars, the sugars in fruit, all of it, like even like your healthy stuff that you think is a great thing, no. And this year obviously I know I let my guard down with my eating and that has caused it hasn't helped and it's good that you've said that though because I think people listening myself included like yes we know that sugar is the devil like let's call a spade a spade here we know that eating uh healthy is the answer to a lot of things but it's friggin' hard it is hard to have the self-discipline to go no thanks that glass of wine or which is a sugar Mm -hmm. um or no thanks that little chocolate dessert like even the healthy stuff you know, even there'll be some days when I'll go and get a blow wave and you've got the best chocolates <laughs> raw being I tasted the new ones. It's good, aren't they? Oh, my goodness. Very good. But sometimes I'll be like, inhale it, so not mindful at all. And other times <laughs> I'll be like, I'm sticking to the skin radiance tea today, guys. <laughs> Don't give me anything else. So, you you know, it does, I think health is definitely the answer, but man, oh, man, it takes discipline. Mm-hmm. It takes a a certain type of willpower that some days you've got it and some days you don't. And I think something that I'm going through a journey of learning at the moment, the days that I've got it is where my self-worth is clear. Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, 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 I'm on this cleanse because I want to feel good or I want to do it for me. Not for Joe Blow, not for all these other things, but it's 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 a funny thing. And as a nutritionist, I noticed that like, eating healthy is less of a physical game and more of a mental game. That's right. And I think as well you being a Virgo, and I'm excited to get into this because I believe (laughs) that one of your aspects would be, I'm presuming, this isn't me on knowing you, this is me knowing that you're a Virgo, it's all (laughs) astrology, you'd be highly critical of yourself. Definitely. So where in, in your life, what areas are you the hardest on yourself with? Motherhood. Being the perfect mum. Being like, yeah, really being conscious 24-7 and Mm. it's hard. It's really hard Mm. to be conscious with two kids. Um, I think that is the first. And then myself, my self-care is terrible and I know I need to look after myself first so then you can be better at everything else. So I'd be definitely critical with that and my food. So do you get any guilt with food? I feel like you're so good and balanced. No, you know what? I probably don't. And what I generally do, Monday to Friday, I eat extremely well. Mm-hmm. And then on the weekend, it's my weekend to have fun. Like oh, I'm not going to deny girl. myself. Like if we're going out with friends for dinner, I'm going to eat the good stuff. I'm going to yeah. have my wine. I'm going to have my dessert yeah. <laughs> because it's okay and life's meant to be enjoyed. And I always, when I go to Italy, we go to Italy all the time, the thing that I love is the enjoyment that comes mm. with food mm. and family and friends and just living in that moment and not being hard on yourself to have that gelati. When I'm in Italy, I have like three gelatis a day, you know. <laughs> I remember you said to me once when I first started my, my Italian boyfriend, yeah. um, you were like, where's his parents from? And I was like, oh, Puglia. And you were like, oh, oh my, my favourite. I love And Puglia. then you took me straight down this like food adventure oh, that you'd been on it. or there's something that you love or there's little things or you dips it. And at Christmas time you're like, are you going to put the, the yeah. something in my car? 
coffee, dip yeah. something in my coffee. So I don't know if it was the panettone. The panettone. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. And like it's so beautiful to see that relationship with yeah. food versus like a dieter yeah. or someone that is like, which is me, by the way. I'm pointing at myself as I say that. Um <laughs> Because you've found the joy and, yeah. and it sparks massive joy oh, within I love you. It. I love it. This is why I have got this big kitchen table that we're sitting at because with, I with love crystals in the middle. food. I love to entertain. I love that. That's that's the joys. Totally. Okay, so knowing that you're highly critical, knowing that you're a little go-getter, knowing that you probably don't have an off switch. No, I'm trying to find it. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, at least you've got all the crystals and beautiful yeah, natural light around you. That's why I must have you. them around. <laughs> what, let's fast forward like five, ten years. What's the dream? Six months here, six months in Italy to oh, live. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm working towards. Never have a winter. Yep. Oh, you're preaching to the choir there. Yeah. Melbourne winters are poo. That is my goal. I want a farmhouse. I just want to live off the farm, oh. the Mediterranean, Would and you live the life. An organic salon over there as well? No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I Keep actually would have a beautiful retreat. I've always, I've got this idea to create this magical retreat, something a bit different that hasn't really been done. Do in, I? Well, I don't know, it might be done. Um, but, yeah, I just love to make people feel good. Yeah, I think I can totally see you doing that. We need more retreats too. I don't think there's enough no, retreats. Definitely. And I think a lot of retreats are so luxurious that they are unattainable for mm-hmm. people as well. Yeah. Like I there's a few that I love going to, but I go as an influencer and I'm mm-hmm. like, there is no way I would spend that kind of money, you know, two grand a night on myself crazy, isn't it? for a health retreat. Yet it's the most beautiful thing I've ever done for myself. Mm-hmm. So then we need more retreats. I'm very pro this dream of yours. Okay, all right. You can get on board. I'll be I've got count some me good in. ideas. Yeah, man. Count me in. So for anybody that's listening and because yes, this podcast is about failing, but it's also about chasing dreams, let's mm-hmm. be honest. What would your advice be to people that have they've got this dream, they're a bit scared, they're not sure. Do whether, it. Yeah. Just do it. Don't doubt yourself and be your own cheerleader. And if you really believe it, it's going to work. And if it doesn't, then so be it. Does you it, learn. D- does it take hard work? It does take hard work. It takes dedication. And I think my biggest thing is you've got to be, your values have to be in line with what you're doing. And your team. And be true. And your team. You, well, your team, you're always going to get people that are on and off on the yeah. team. But as long as you stay true to yourself, your dream, your reason why, yeah. And I think that's the big thing is why are you doing it and really letting that passion come through, then yeah. there's no reason why it wouldn't succeed. And when you just said that about the why, like when I go into Organica, I'm pretty sure why you've created it is to create this beautiful healing yeah. space that is so nourishing in not just on a physical level. Yeah. I mean, imagine transferring that why to a retreat in Italy. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> in Abulia. <laughs> oh, my goodness, really? Yeah. Oh, yes. I love it. It's incredible. Uh, okay, perfect. You have been such a wonderful guest, I think. I'm so excited for people just here. like, yes, it takes hard work, but be your own cheerleader. You have to be. It's And can, be, can we be honest, in Australia, not always the case. Like, yeah. we have tall poppy here. Yeah. So we kind of were like... And I learned this in acting school last week. Aussies will be in a meeting in America and they'll be like, Americans would be like, oh, you've got these amazing salons. And you're like, oh, yeah, no, nah, like, yeah. like we talk ourselves down. Mm. And because Americans take you so literally, they're like, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. You know, like I think we need to reignite that 
be your own cheerleader vibe, don't you think? Yeah. (gasps) Stick to your lane. Yeah, you said that right before we went on. You were like, just got to stay in your lane. Yeah. Stay in your lane. And don't worry about anyone else. Don't worry about what anyone else is doing. Just focus on you and go for it. Yeah. And stay in the lane. I'm seeing like a swimmer, staying in the lane, Lane. but being your own cheerleader at the end. I love it. Thank you so much, Sarah. You you. are beautiful. You are wonderful. It has been such an honour to have you you. today. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Okay, so we're doing a little PS edition here. Uh, As we finished, we were sipping on our tea, blueberries. Sarah's like, oh, my God, I forgot to say how Organica even came about. (laughs) It's uh, a – she started sharing the story and I was like, stop, I'm pulling the mics out. So go for it. All right, well, funny story. Obviously, as you all know, I was in the, working at the one salon for 12 years and you get to a point where you're sick of work or you're sick of complaining to yourself. And I was living in Elwood one day and I was just complaining about absolutely everything about working and life and then we walked past a salon that I got asked to buy about a year ago and I said yes and then the girl that was working at the salon, she wanted to buy the salon and I was like, well, no, I respect the space. She works there, let her have it because I'm a big believer of what's meant to be will be. So I just continued on work working and then a year later I was walking down the street with my sister and I'm like, oh, this salon, it's not opened anymore because there were so many leaves and letters on the floor and my sister's like, nah. I'm like, nah, this salon's not opened. Anyway, later that evening I spoke to my dear friend in London who I trained and has landed the dream job, like working with Vogue, Naomi Campbell, like like the dream job um, back in the day. And he rang me and said, I've got a job for you. Do you want to come over to London? Everything's paid for. You'll be set up. You'll be doing these type of celebrities. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. All right, let me think about it. So I went home and I said, oh, God, I don't know, do, do we go to London for a bit? Do I do this? I don't really love London. I tried it when I was 18 years yeah. to try and live there, hated it. And then the next day my sister rings me. She's like, there's a lease sign up. So I said, all right, I'm taking it. I rang my work. I went into work. I rang my best friend at the time, Lisa, who's my was at my business partner at the beginning. I said, I'm quitting today. I told everyone I'm quitting. They're like, what do you mean you're quitting? I'm like, I'm quitting. I went into work and I quit. I rang the agency and I'm going to sign the lease. I said, I'm sick of being in a toxic environment. I'm going to create an organic salon. I'm going to create a sustainable salon. And everyone's like, you're mad. You're going to like shoot yourself in the foot. You're at the <laughs> peak of your industry. And I went into the agency, signed the lease and that's it. We started it with like $5,000. That's all we had. Amazing. And we painted the floors and did it all. But that was the birth. I had a vision. I knew what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to create a space of toxic-free, low chemicals, sustainable, you know, organic wherever possible and to create this amazing space for my clients and myself. And, yeah, that's sort of how it came about. So you were just saying as well before, like, Organica became your purpose. Yeah. Because you were so sick of the mind chatter. Yes. Like the the negative, like. I was sick of hearing my own voice about being negative and I'm like, God, Sarah, the only person that can do anything about this is you. Shut up. Like, and I thought to myself, if I'm sick of hearing myself complain, imagine what all my friends, my family, <laughs> they must have been like over me ages ago. Because How old I was were just you? Done. How old was I? 24? Wow. So you'd saved up all your money to get the lease? Yeah. Well, no, but it's all we had, me and Lisa, um, my best friend. I rang her and I'm like, 
are you in? Are you going to do it with me? She's like, what? I said, I've just signed a lease. This is what I'm going to do. It's there. I'm going to, my ideas, even though everyone's like, you're mad. What are you doing? You're shooting yourself in the foot, like in terms of like career-wise. Yeah, like yeah. In my industry, I was like yeah. at the peak and I could have gone even higher, but I'm like, no, I need to do what's right for me. I'm sick of living a double life, like yeah. a controversy life. Like I live my life one way and my values are very strong with being holistic and Healthy, organic and all of that. Yeah. And I'm like, my work is polar opposite. Like yeah. I live two different lives and it's not okay and I'm sick of it. So I'm the one that can make that change. So all you need is a dream, a purpose and 5K in the bank. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. That's amazing. And a good team and hustle. Yeah. Hustle. And hard work. I love it. So we've learned so much from you now. I'm glad we did the PS. Okay. Now we can add hustle, cheerleader, stay in your lane. <laughs> yeah. And don't be afraid of a paintbrush. Yeah, do it yourself. Do yeah. it yourself. We did it all ourselves. Were you working crazy hours when it first crazy opened? Crazy hours, yep. Because you would have been one of the, you would have been you and Lisa, I imagine. Me and Lisa and my sister, who's not a hairdresser at all, she does a mean shampoo though. So Amazing. she came in and when we were busy, you know. Amazing. Yeah. Our front desk was my old office desk that my mum and dad used to have that was like 30 years old. That was our receptionist desk. And we just got really good um, wallpaper and, you know, we worked with what we had. Amazing. Oh, so good. So there you go. Go out, chase the dream. That's it. Make sure it's in line with your values and your purpose and then just work your little butt off. Yep. I love it. Thank you. Thanks for the PS. (laughs) (laughs) That's a wrap on another episode of Fearlessly Failing. As always, thank you to our guests. And let's continue the conversation on Instagram. I'm at yummololaberry. This potty, my word for podcast, is available on all streaming platforms. I'd love it if you could subscribe, rate and comment. And of course, spread the love.